Hello, you're listening to the second episode of Where Did It All Go Right? I'm Ali Jones, and in these podcasts, I'm talking to creatives about the pivotal moments in their career. Last week, I spoke to comedy writer Paul Mayhew Archer, and you can find that on iTunes and Podbean. Now, episode two. Welcome to Where Did It All Go Right? My next guest is going to be Trouble, I can tell already. Travels all around the world telling us about the latest developments in tech as he hosts the BBC's flagship technology programme, Click. What does that mean? (laughs) You're not supposed to interrupt me, I'm doing the introduction. Sorry. If I have a problem with my computer, I would call him because he has got a double first in computer science. That's what that means, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the switch it off and on again degree. Yeah. From Cambridge, yeah, the the switch it on and off degree. Spencer Kelly has already walked into this uh, podcast already before I even introduced him. Hello. Have I messed with your format? You have, completely. No, it's fine. Hello, Spencer. Hi. Hi. Can I ask you some questions about your career? Just to kind of give a a sort of vague insight to anyone else who wants to be on telly and do the kind of thing that you do. Vague being the opposite word. Yes. Did you always want to be on the telly? Yes. I was a huge fan of Tomorrow's World. That's what inspired me and, and so many other people to get into science and also, I guess, communication, although I didn't realize it at the time. And it, it's just a genius program and it was so full of the future and when I finally got to the BBC the day I joined the BBC they axed tomorrow <laughs> so, so it all was going really all well was going this really, podcast really well. is called where did it go right yeah so that's the wrong bit there's a few wrongs along the way okay this is Maybe. good all right so I'm interested that you wanted to be on telly mm. but you kind of went through school you went to Cambridge now a lot of people might go well actually if you want to be on telly it's best to get your foot in the door and be a runner and that kind of thing so did, did that ever cross your mind or did you think I better do the the proper thing I think what happened was during my sixth form so when I was doing A-levels I started to get interested in radio I didn't know anything about radio until I was about 15 or 16 so really late developer and then I met someone at, at sixth form who knew people who worked at the local radio station okay. and I got my first radio so I hadn't had a radio until I was 15 or 16. So it was during my sixth form, 16 to 18, that I started to get really anarchy about radio and I love the technicalities of it. And obviously the music was a revelation, but also the way it worked and the way it sounded and the way different presenters would present things and the whole thing that you had to back time songs up to the news was so exciting. And then when you become a radio presenter, you back time your life. You back time going to the supermarket. Exactly. (laughs) I could leave home at 5.19 in the morning to get to the breakfast show on time. And so I think rather late, I was doing computer science at A-level and so it wasn't such a massive plan of mine that I could put everything on hold. Plus, I think it would have been lunacy to throw the potential to go to university away I didn't think about going to Cambridge. My sixth form computer science teacher, Mr. Cheatham, he suggested, why don't you apply for Cambridge? And I'd never thought that that was within the realms of possibility. So I did and got accepted. And while I was at university, I joined the university radio station. Okay. So my belief was, yeah, you can go in at the bottom, which so many people do, and they work for free. You can do that or you can go get the qualification that I guess I was always possibly wanting to get as well, which is computers, and investigate like radio while I was there. So I got yeah. into university radio in the first term. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And, and and also, I think, did you find as well that when you were at Cambridge, you met so many different people from all sorts of walks of life? Yeah. And, and do you think there were some people there that helped you form the sort of career that you're doing now? I think so, yeah, because, well, there's the whole life thing about going to university, isn't there? The whole thing about you meet people who are not from your village. Yeah. You're not from round here, you know. And that's incredible, just for, for a life thing you know so educational and and so challenging in a way but also really bonding my friends from university are still some of my closest friends 
the radio side of it, I also met a couple of people there who were also like massively into various aspects of radio and had thought about different parts of it. So where I wanted to be a hot jock, you know, I was <laughs> emulating Power FM, which is the station down south that I listened to um, before I went to university. And I was like, hands, 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 vocal. I wanted the pips up to the hour and everything that they were doing down there. And this guy, Bern Leckie, Bernard Leckie, who I think still works in radio, he was much more cerebral and he would think about the content and also quite forward thinking. He would say, have you considered, should we do a, a show on this station, which is literally someone's favourite album played in its entirety, even with gaps in between the songs? Oh, wow. And I was like, no, 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 you kind of did air. No, got, no, got a jockey. Got a jockey, <laughs> exactly. And so he was really progressive. And while we we're at university, you know, we did our own thing. And then afterwards, we stayed at university to do one of these four week RSL oh, restricted yeah. service licenses and that's I think where we we kind of bonded and fell out and fell in because you're suddenly you're living under the same roof and yeah. it's a pressured environment. So would you say at that point you'd kind of fallen a bit out of love of presenting Tomorrow's World and you were I'm, I'm going to be doing the radio or did you think it was kind of a route into the team? No I thought that was it to be honest I, I, I didn't think much about Tomorrow's World at the time we didn't have TVs at university. Can you believe that? Oh, I know. I'm not even mobile phones. Not even mobile phones. You had to queue for the phone, oh, for the pay phone. I know. Right, with everyone else. And then it rang and I would stupidly pick it up. Well, why not? And then they'd say, can you go and get somebody? And you'd yeah. have to go and get that person. Then you'd miss, you'd go back to the queue. Anyway. It was always 10p in the phone box downstairs to the parents. Can you ring me back? And then you run back to yeah. the phone that's on your staircase and they ring and get put through. Oh, so um, different now. So easy. Yeah. But I, so I no think telly. <laughs> no tomorrow's world. Oh, I know. But I, so I didn't miss it because it had gone from my life. I was very much enjoying radio. So I think by the time I graduated... With um, a double first? With, with I don't know what that means. Double first. Not many people do, okay. apparently. It means very good. Did you go, like, twice? Right. You can edit this bit out. <laughs> do you want to mention that they gave me an MA afterwards? No. Nope. And now I've got a Doctorate of Technology? No. Nope. No? No, 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 no. I'm just interested in the TV. Right, OK. <laughs> so, yeah, by, <laughs> by the time I graduated, I think... I think I knew that I didn't want to be a computer scientist because I'd seen what computer science does to the lecturers at university and I didn't want to do that. But it's a bit weird. I felt when I left uni, you're like, right, I've got all these plans. Oh, what am I going to do? Because Mm. I I don't really know where I'm going to go. I could go anywhere. But, you know, I don't know. I've got this degree, but I don't know anybody really. And and it's a bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. What were you thinking at that time? I have been sponsored through university by British Gas. So I worked in their IT department and I had a job afterwards, right? So I don't count. I'm really lucky. But it wasn't the job that you wanted to do? No, but it was security, Mm -hmm. right? And so what I did was I just delayed that for a month to do this four-week RSL. And then when I got back, I knew that I had an office job, but it kind of meant that I could explore things. And what I did... So you kind of felt braver? Yeah, because I had that security. You had backup. I mean, I don't profess to be brave or cunning or clever. I just think I was lucky. I, I've learned since that actually there, there's skill in this as well. But I, I was just lucky to have that backup. Yeah. When I got back from university, I heard about another RSL, another four-week station that was happening in Southampton. I met some people that were involved in that through the friend that originally got me into radio before I went to university. And then I did a few shifts on that. Through that, some of the people there happened to know the people at the proper commercial radio station. The radio station station that has a proper frequency that's on all the time. Absolutely. So little stepping stones and generally at this stage, meeting people. Meeting people. And I'm terrible at it. So am I. awful at it, right? So so what, what what do you suggest if you're terrible at it? Well, 
I can't teach you how to network. I just can't. <laughs> I feel so awkward about it. It feels now. quite fake, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. What, but what I did was simply get in with the station and offer. And this is where I work for free. It's a four-week radio station, so it's no, it's no problem. And just do stuff. And then, of course, someone can't make a, a shift. And so they say, can you do the radio show? I've got three years of practice at university. So, yes, I can. <laughs> Still doing all the I hope it didn't sound like that. Yeah, uh, that was exactly what I sounded like. <laughs> and through that... I heard that there was a vacancy at the local radio station through this grapevine. The, the, the guy who ran the, the local radio station was looking for a new flying eye. I put my hand up and said to my friend, jokingly, I'll do it. And he said, well, send in a tape. And I did. And so it is about somehow getting in with people who know people. These jobs are not advertised. Nowhere in the paper would it have said looking for a new flying eye, right? <laughs> it's simply they ask around. Yeah. And I've noticed that since I've been here at Click as well. A few years ago, picture the scene. My boss sat opposite the boss of a travel programme, okay, that's kind of our sister show. And in front of him, blocking their eyeline, was a, a pile of VHS demo tapes, right? Okay, from people wanting to, to do the job. <laughs> and what he did, because we needed a new reporter on the programme, what he did, and this is a picture postcard moment that says a lot, he leaned around the videotapes to look at the guy from the travel show and said, Mike, do you know anyone that's good to work wow. with? Wow. And in that moment, I realised it's about being good to work with. Yeah. As long as you can string a sentence together, of it, it's about being good to work with. And that's, if anything, that's the thing. That is amazing, isn't it? That's it's not really about a demo tape. It's not about no. a demo tape because these days, everyone's got a demo tape on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And you can make yourself look amazing in like two minutes. You can just cut your best two minutes out of your worst two hours. Yeah, but it's about how good you are to work. But you've with. you've got to yeah you've got to keep that being good because you know you could have done a great demo you could have got in that aeroplane and then after a week everyone would have realised you were a bit of a fake. It's, you've got to you've got to really yeah. work at it, haven't you? Ab- yeah, absolutely. And there's got to be some natural talent there as well. Well, there does, right? Okay, you have to if you want to work in presentation, you have to be able to communicate, and I don't think you can teach that. Probably, I was writing stories and reading them out in front of the whole junior school when I was seven or eight. <laughs> I, I still remember Mrs. Archer saying to the assembly, Spencer's written another story and he's going to, she's going to read it to you now. It was always about darling. <laughs> well, um, it was your audition, wasn't it, for Tomorrow's World again? Wow. You know, so I've always had that thing. I've yeah. always wanted to. Not yeah. that I knew it at the time, but I wanted to communicate. So when you were in the plane, you, were you hankering to be in the studio? Yeah, I did it for two years. Wow. And the great thing about doing those little insert pieces, because I did it across three stations and... The great thing about being the insert character is I, I could just be more wacky than I could be if I was the, like the anchor. Yeah, yeah. Where people would get like really sick of me after half an hour. You can just be the wacky character. And if you look, and I remember when we were at the radio station, right, when you're, when you're putting together some sort of zoo format for a, a radio show, you have to think of it like The Simpsons or like Seinfeld. You know, really out of date reference now. Friends. Have, or Friends. Yeah. You have the, the main kind of normal anchor character and then you have the quirky one and you have the... The mumsy one, and you have the the lovable one, and you have the childish one. And that's you, you're the quirky. I was the quirky. One. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was quirky. But uh, you know, I, I had to learn a few things when I had to not be the character, but be the main one. So, how do you crow by yourself into the to be the host then? Because that's what you became, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I did a few weekend shows. I did a regular weekend show, and again, I was really, really lucky. I was working on a station that the owners didn't care about, right? So you could they, do anything you so like. They didn't care. 
that much about what happened on that station. It was the number two. They they mainly concentrated on the number one station yeah. because it, I mean it's Capital Radio. It's Capital Radio Group. So Power FM, their local capital alike, was the one they cared about. Ocean FM, which they'd inherited when they bought the companies, they didn't know what to do with. They had no model for it, so they didn't care about it. And so when they wanted to get rid of the breakfast show jock. I genuinely believe if they cared more about the station, they would have got someone with some pedigree. But they obviously saw some potential there, didn't they? Yeah. At this point, my therapist would say, you're doing yourself down again, and I'm not joking about the therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Or am I? But but it went well, because, you know, if they didn't like you, they would have chucked you off. But you carried on doing that job for a long time. I was there for a long time. (laughs) And I think part of that, again, was to do with the fact that they weren't listening that closely. Because Mm. this is where I made loads of mistakes at the very beginning. But it's a great training ground. Yeah, on proper radio. Yeah, who (laughs) I was supposed to do that at university. (laughs) But I don't think they were listening too closely because I was being completely off target. Our target audience was kind of like what I am now, 45. It's not 23. Who are you talking to? (laughs) I was doing a mixture of Simon Mayo and Chris Evans, who was doing TFI Friday at the time. So I was playing golf with food. I was telling rude jokes about baboons. I still remember when the timing of the jingle didn't go well and I actually said the rude word that I was (laughs) saying. And I was just, I was losing listeners. So I was left to do my own thing and I just got sillier and sillier trying to do bad impersonations of my favourite jocks Simon Mayer basically but I think that's what everybody does everyone does it at the time and you've got to realise there's there's this phrase that you hear over and over again less is more and I had no idea what it meant (laughs) now I do it's like the things that people might like you to do don't do them every 10 seconds yeah you know and so many people must make that mistake when they start understanding what it is that people like about them they start ramping that up it's not it's not about that and it took a, a program controller with like really fierce eyebrows and he was an Australian because most people in radio were Australian at that point (laughs) and he gave me what for he said mate you're all over this link like a bad soup and it was really painful it was so painful to listen to and I think if I'd have been a different person I would have left because Mm. it was horrible I hated going in Mm. every day because he would tear me apart afterwards Mm. but what I chose to do was learn I chose to think right this guy knows what he's talking about so I'm just going to try my best to learn and I I can absorb direction like that you have to be humble if you've got an ego at that point in your career especially Mm. what do you know what did I know and so to actually be taken apart and put back together was really painful but I think I am what I am today because of that for better or for worse I chose to stick with it and I have faith but it's it's hideous you do the show and you become afraid to talk. You become afraid to open your mouth. And I genuinely believe that's what it's like now because radio's changed. It's much mm. less freeform mm. now. Mm. And I you know, I imagine some of these stations, the presenters must, you know, under pain of death, do they not stop smiling during the link? And if they talk for more than t- 15 seconds and if they let a song fade or whatever it is, the, the floor will open and they'll yeah. fall into the shark tank. I mean, it sounds like it's so precisely scientifically analysed now that they know what will work and they know what won't work and the people they employ are the people that can stick to the rules and still make it sound good. Is that why you took a massive gamble? Because you did. When you, you know, you were in, in commercial radio for a long time. You were doing really well. You're hang on. The show. Hang on. Oh, what? You've just glossed oh, over I've glossed the over highlight <laughs> of mine and your life, which is when we worked together. Oh, yes. Well, what do you want to say about that? So it is one skill being um, a solo presenter who can engage an audience when there's no one there in the studio or down a camera it's a completely different animal when you have to have chemistry with someone right and and suddenly you've got to learn to talk to each other but also to the audience you've got to understand each other you've got to you've got to be generous it was my show and they brought you in obviously I wasn't doing (laughs) and they needed a female on the show it's terrible isn't it The, the ego gets battered 
or or not. And again, it's like, yeah, there, there'd be plenty of people who would kind of keep the new co-host down. Maybe I did it at the beginning. I don't know. No, you're intro. fine. But we, I think we were really lucky that we had great chemistry. But we're both, I think we're both humble people. Um, and we both don't have so much of an ego that we want to hog the limelight because yeah. it works so much better. And it's either a skill or it comes naturally that you get that chemistry, but it's really important. You were the first co-host I had. I went through a few of them. Oh, so you bugger off. But no, we. I think we yeah. are actually, we did a good job. And do you think that helped as well? Yes. Having to work with someone? In, yes. Yeah. Good. It's about I'm, being I'm so- generous. No, I'm talking. Shut up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. It's all right. You can. It's all about but you. It's about being generous. It's about yeah. not thinking it's all about you because it just doesn't sound as good. But I want to ask you about this big gamble. Yes. So you're working at a commercial radio station. Yeah. It's doing well. But, you know, there's no yeah. whiff of you being gotten rid of. You're at home. You're in your home area. Yeah. It's nice and easy. Yeah, yeah. But there's that thing going on in your head that you still want to work for Tomorrow's World, I'm guessing. I, I think so. I think what actually happened was a few things. Um, I've been doing it a long time. There's the tiredness. Yeah, there's the effect on your social life. What I realised was I couldn't go any further. I got the top job on the station. To go to a big London station like Capital, I had to be famous on the telly because that's who they were employing at the time. Mm, still are. So, yeah, you left. Oh, that they was re- the end, really. Were, well, no, they replaced you with someone else <laughs> and then she left and they replaced someone else. I went through four co-hosts and in that time they were reinventing the radio station as well. They were just saying, we've decided to go male-orientated rock from today. No Celine Dion then. Yeah, but what about all the listeners who are going to turn on and then immediately turn on? And then we've decided to go female again. And they were chopping and changing. And I just got to a point where I think my current co-host said she was going to leave. They were going to change the station again. I just thought... I've had enough. I've had enough. Mm. And I heard about a BBC talent competition for... They were auditioning for iPresenters, presenters, interactive presenters. So I thought I'd go along to the audition. And yeah, it was a massive risk because I, I got the job and I was going to cut my salary in two. I was going to end up working in London. I had a mortgage. I had to do the maths. Um, but if you didn't do it then, when were you going no, to do it? No, I wasn't it? going to do it. Yeah. I would, you know, that, that was it. You don't get these opportunities you know, unless you make them, and I'm not that sort of person. Do you so, remember the audition? Do you remember what you did? Yeah, well, they wanted to do it like um, the kind of talent shows, so there were several rounds. So the first thing, you had to go to an HMV, sit in a booth that they directed there, <laughs> and do a piece to camera. And I did mine about tomorrow's world, I think. For how long? It was probably like a minute or two. So you became an eye presenter? An eye presenter. Which meant what? I have no idea, and if ever someone can tell me... I would be, I would love, what it was, right, this is 2003. The idea, I think, was that we were going to be interactive presenters. So we, because the internet was, the, the web was happening, there might be a way of the audience interacting with us. But apart from that, they had no idea. They had money to spend, I think. And so they'd spend it on the scheme. I think the only thing that we kind of did was a few interactive interviews where I, I interviewed David Attenborough, for God's sake. Wow. I mean, wow. And the idea is the audience type in their questions, I ask them to you know like you do all the time oh, now I see. right the problem was in 2003 no one had broadband no one could watch <laughs> the damn thing <laughs> and they canned the project after 5 months so, so i'd stepped off of a decent job in radio yeah. to come and do this and they were they just cut it so did you panic yeah uh, i did i i knew really soon about two months in that they were getting rid of it in another three months i thought i've made the biggest mistake of my life i'm not a risk taker and i've screwed it up and did you think I might go back and contact the guys at the radio station again? I thought again? that was that was what I was going to have to do. Oh, but how did you manage to to, to get it back? And, well, because go I was lucky again. Oh, the person, lucky man. I know. 
it's like I don't profess to have any secret. So what happened then? You're two months into this contract. In, yeah, we found out that it was all going to hell in a handcart. The person who was in charge of our little team said, have you heard about this programme called Click Online? Your sciency. Do you, your sciency. Double first. Um, yeah. And so the, the most valuable thing about getting into the BBC is not the job they give you, but the fact you get a pass and an internal email. So you can go knocking on doors or phoning people up, and that's what I did. It's I all open plan here, though. A bit tricky. You have to find a door to knock on, okay. and then you just look mad because it's an external door. But there you, <laughs> but you It wasn't at the time. We are in Bush House. And you knocked on a few doors. And I phoned well, specifically this programme called Click Online, which I'd never heard of. It was only showed on BBC World, the TV show. I phoned up the boss and said, look, can I do a, a piece for you? Yeah. Right? Can I work for you for free? Can I do something for nothing? And he said, yeah. Because it's, it's still a low... A lower budget show than almost anyone would expect. And so, yeah, he's got nothing to lose. I made a piece. We'd done camera work courses on the, the training scheme that I was on and everything. So, you know, I knew how to operate a camera. I went and filmed my own thing. And, you know, he said, well, that's OK. And then he said, as it happens, I'm going off on six months of convent. We need to backfill, you know, I need an extra person on the team of four. And so would you like to do that for six months? So, again, it, it's like luck right place right time yeah that's just incredible though isn't it because now it's, it's such a, a bigger operation um, yeah, and it started out small now. and was it difficult though because you were quite a big fish in, in a small pond I suppose in, in the radio and you were going to have you were going back to that thing of can I do it for free again did you almost think oh do <clears> I have to do this again I you yeah. know I'm at that stage yeah. where and do you know it frightens it me it? it really frightens me now because it seriously does because if if as and when this comes to an end which it will I've been here a long time and again I'm really yeah I've worked hard but I'm really lucky that they still want me to head the programme. What do I do? What? Go and work for free again. Oof. Well, that's the thing. It's like, do you have to start networking and, and offering yourself for... for you get to a nothing? stage, though, now that people know who you are. So, yeah. so that's a lot more helpful. I think so. I think that's what I hope. The, you know, in TV, it's not easy. They want already famous people for a lot of things. Mm. They want, in my field, they want people with doctorates. Did I mention that I've got a doctorate? But they don't. They do, seriously. You look at the science programmes, they want people who are considered oh, okay. experts in their field, Fine. as in they're doctors, they're, they're doing their research. Um, or they want characters, and I don't have... Look at my hair, it's not character hair, it's not green. Oh, he's the guy you with the green hair. You could do that. You could easily dye your hair. It's fine. But I'm interested in, in the fact you're talking about working for free, because hmm. I did some working for free, but then I realised I was working for free for too long and they were taking the mickey. So there is a limit, isn't there, when you think, hang on, I can't work for free for too long, because they, I'm going to get that kind of yeah. reputation that, oh, he'll do it, because it doesn't, well, he doesn't mind. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I totally agree. OK. Because... It's the only way I can think of where you do just have to be around until the opportunity and be good and be nice until the opportunity comes up. You know, also one of the things I think about media is people will keep you in jobs they know you're good at and not let you progress up because you're the only one that can do that thing. So you can't be too good at your job. Well, you know. Is there a time, do you think, in the last, say, 10, 15 years on Click that you've done something or you've been somewhere or you've interviewed someone and you've just thought, I can't believe I'm doing this. This oh, is amazing. Do you know what? Like so often, so often. And it's taken me a long time to realise how lucky I am <laughs> to have this job. We need to re relabel this podcast, lucky. Because I get to go to places that you don't go on holiday and you see, you meet amazing people. You know, the slums in Delhi the Alps filming in virtual reality for God's sake you know 
So the places that I get to go, and then there's the science and tech that I get to see, which is like right up my street. You yes. know, and the crazy. people you get to meet. The, the, the amazing people. I mean, some of them are well-known, you know, they're very senior, they're great talkers, and then some of them are just really enthusiastic, really humble people. Brian Eno, right, released um, an app which generated its own music. And we were so scared about interviewing him because we've been reading up on him and he's he's a real... Legend. Legend, but also really hard interview. He oh. gives interviewers really hard time. Okay. So I... He was the Madonna of the... Kind movie. of. It's yeah. a bit like, I think he thought, they're going to ask me about Bowie. They're going to ask me about other things. I want to talk about my work. And he's still a genius who does like so much stuff. And so my tactic when going into these interviews is not to go for the headlines. What was Bowie like? But more just to geek out with them. And the team are very patient who film it because my interviews can go on for hours. <laughs> but I went in and I geeked out with him and he was showing me how he creates music through his algorithms and there's loads of science in there. And we had a great afternoon and I just felt so... That was so amazing to just plug into someone. You've got to find... Just don't do the, the standard questions because... Yeah, because they, they get asked that all the time. They do. Um, they've got their stock answers and they can make it sound good. And if that's what you need, mm. if you're just going for a headline, that's fine. But... So that was a real highlight. There, a must, real highlight. there must be sometimes though when you're standing in a field or somewhere <laughs> and you're just thinking, this is quite tough. It is an emotional roller coaster because you do want to get the best programme. Sometimes the interviewees really hard work. They can't you know, they're perfectly natural off camera, but when you switch the camera on they freeze up. It's a very British thing. The best sound bites in the world are given by Americans and Icelandic mums. Really? Seriously. I remember. We went that. to Iceland, we doorstep some mums who were picking up their kids from a university <laughs> and asked them some questions. They had beautiful English, they were so natural and comfortable on camera, it was amazing. But then there are people, mainly Brits, who just clam up and it's really hard work. And then there are there are times when you know, it's really hot or you're really tired or you've filmed late into the night. And, you know, working with these are great people here. But when you're living on top of each other even for five days and you all want the best, you start snapping at each other. And, and there's never enough time. There's never enough time to research. There's never enough time to film. So everything's like really high stress. And but ultimately, there's loads of highs. I think so. Yeah. I genuinely think so. You know, this doesn't pay enough to, <laughs> to, to do it if you really hate it. Which were the main key points, you think, that have got you to where you are now? It's the sort of, I suppose it's the getting the gig on the radio. and then, yeah, it's getting the gig on the radio. And, and it, is it more about, do you think, the meeting the people, or do you think there is still some determination and fierceness in your character that has made it happen? I think you have to meet the right people, and then my understanding is you have to be nice to work with, and you have to work hard. I say, if you're going to be an arsehole, you have to be right all the time. <laughs> because if you are an arsehole to people around you, if you're not right every single time, they will pick up the one time when you were wrong mm -hmm. and they will use it against you and they say, well, you know, he thinks he's all that, but what about this time he got it wrong? And that's n hardly ever going to happen. Otherwise, be nice. Because there are so many people that can do what you do and what I do. And so you are, no one is irreplaceable. There will be other people that tell you about determination mm. and just keep plugging away. You know, I can I can tell you that. I haven't had experience of it in that way. I have to ask you this. What's going to be the next big thing in tech? <laughs> I want to go analogue. I think we should go back to the 80s or the 70s. What, VHS again, like we were talking about earlier? Seriously, I think... No. I think at the moment we've... Yeah, technology is not good or evil, but it's, it's certainly bringing out the worst in... 
people. Hello, Twitter, you hate-filled hole. Um, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, you, you're on Twitter, so, you know... I know, I've got to. It's part of my job. Yeah. But what I'm seeing at the moment is a massively polarised audience, and I'm in my filter bubble, my echo chamber, and I don't want to be entrenched. I don't want Everyone's to, to have two sides turning off shouting. a little bit, do you think? Well, I think people are using it to just get angry, and I think we need to stop that because everything is more nuanced than we think, and nothing is black and white, and everyone is, is, is a complex person who does things probably for reasons they think is right what's going to be the next big thing there are two things at the moment neither of them are sexy oh big data which is <laughs> i've got that on my phone well it's all filled what up you've got, what you, i don't need some more i need data. some more right yeah, yeah. okay no big data is as you can not tell i'll SD never card. become a click presenter i don't even know what i'm talking about <laughs> big data is the ability of computers to analyze tons and tons and tons of data and spot patterns that we wouldn't think of looking for in a million years i believe big data might cure Alzheimer's or oh, cancer wow. because you know you're doing a scientific research study and I wonder whether the time of year that you were born and the a combination of the time of year and the location you were born and your diet let's look for connections between that and people who haven't got cancer who are resistant to it if they missed out one thing on their survey if it's also to do with I don't know the type of washing powder they use or something stupid and they haven't thought to put that in their survey they miss it completely whereas if you just bunk all the data into a computer and say, look at this from every angle and see what the pattern is, it might come up with an answer. So that's going to be and is being massive, but it's being used for good. You said it was boring, but I think that's quite interesting. Well, it is. It just, what it, it, what it, it isn't it needs... is sexy when you try yeah. and film it for TV. Sexy big data, you have to call it. Sexy big data, yeah. yeah. You basically end up drawing lots of points and lines on the screen and stuff. And the other thing is artificial intelligence, which doesn't look like the damn white robot reading the newspaper that everyone uses a photo of it's it's happening it's real it's learning to do things in ways that humans haven't it can mm. play games it can drive cars it can engage in conversations just this week we're doing a piece on a piece of software that can simulate your voice all you do is read a few sentences into it and it can talk like you so this is not good news i was thinking no. creative jobs like ours are safe for the future no thanks um not oh. not in oh, that respect you know it's not going to happen for a long time is it weeks months <laughs> no but it's doing amazing things and it gets a bad rap but those are think of the the two biggest things ai and big data yeah i think there's still room for creativity Cre no you're right Cre you the creative jobs are always going to be ours apart from the story we did on an artificial intelligence that created a painting that sold for half a million dollars a couple of weeks ago and there's artificial intelligence that are creating music that sounds really good However, I'm sure that maybe folding paper hats is... It's all good. Is but no, we, we are so good at inventing new jobs. There are no ice deliverers anymore because they invented the fridge. But we are so good at creating new jobs. I'm hopeful. There are lots of people saying, oh, it's terrible. It won't happen immediately. It seriously won't. Mm. But okay. um, you know, the world is changing. The world really is changing. And I'm excited to be watching it. I'm excited as well to watch you be so enthusiastic about it. And, and mm. in all seriousness, it's fascinating hearing about you know the way... You, you have, and I know you say it's luck, but I think the way you've got to where you are, because it is a little bit of, of everything, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Spencer, thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. And we'll be back with a brand new episode of Where Did It All Go Right next week. If you'd like to give us a five-star rating, we would love you forever. Tell your friends and uh, subscribe too. You can follow us on Twitter at at Where Go Right and see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>